So bye-bye, Colorado Avalanche. Hello, Vegas. Bye-bye, Winnipeg Jets. Hello, Montreal Canadiens. Bye-bye, Carolina Hurricanes. All right, Tampa Bay Lightning. And bye-bye, Bruins. Hello, New York Islanders. Bye. Man, do we have some things to depict, including some fascinating facts about New York Islanders and also the Golden Vegas defence. Like, how insanely deep are these teams when it comes to time on ice, scoring? I mean, it's okay, guys. We've got back into our hockey. We're feeling a bit more chipper this week, and we're hoping to spread some joy for those of you, whether your teams are in or out the playoffs. We're here to share some rather beautiful British love about an amazing game called ice hockey. This is NHL Fans From Afar. Hello. So I've painted on my smile. Uh, I feel like um, I've got out my stress of being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. There is nothing I can do about that team. There is nothing I can do about their season. I'm just parking it and I'm just enjoying looking at the teams. And man, has there been some amazing hockey. I've really, really felt actually that I see why these four teams are where they are in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Because when you watch them, they have that X factor. There are stats, there are, you know, just the details, the depth, the way that the lines work, the way that the managers work. I just, there's so much more here. And and in a way, it's kind of made me feel, yeah, the Leafs weren't there. They They were never going to be there. And I'm all right with that. So, yeah, I'm Claire and with me today is Jolon. Where's your head at, Joe Long? Well, I need to pick you up something there. I, I agree with three of the teams, uh, your statement there. You can see why there's an X factor, blah, blah, blah. The um, the fourth being Montreal. I, I, I don't see them being better than the Leafs still. I still can't get over that fact. And I look at what, well, I'm just getting towards the end of uh, rewatching the Vegas Montreal game one. And yeah, it doesn't look like, Vegas are going to have much trouble going through Montreal. And it would have been fascinating. Well, we wouldn't have seen uh, the Leafs versus Vegas because of the seeding. But yeah, I'm still I'm still bitter because uh, there's a team in the final four who are not as good as the team who went out well, in the first round. You know but, what? You say that because last night was Montreal Canadiens-Vegas. Yeah. Game one, okay? When you actually look at the game stats... Um, shots on goal, they were pretty equal. Face-off, Canadian was 56% over 43%. They converted one of their power plays. Vegas did not. Um, they put more hits on Vegas. Uh, they had more takeaways than Vegas. They came out firing all guns in the first period. So it's not necessarily that Canadians are going to be the rollover that perhaps many of us had assumed they might be. I don't think there'll be a rollover. No, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think they've proven by getting to where they are that they're, you know, they're not a team to to take too lightly and they went on an incredible run. But what's interesting now is about the fact that they're playing a team and they 
have been trailing from the beginning of this series and they haven't trailed a game since whatever they they seven they had a seven game winning streak yeah yeah seven game winning streak and they had that really good kind of run against the Leafs in the final few games and then you know an incredible get few games against the uh, Winnipeg Jets this level of adversity they probably haven't faced since that kind of um that three one moment against the Leafs and Vegas look like a team who you know, we've got to remember how Vegas got here. Vegas got here by beating Colorado and not just beating Colorado, coming back down from two games down to then winning four in a row and winning that series 4-2. And if you can do that against a firing avalanche team, then I think it's going to be tough. Of course, it's not impossible. Of course, Montreal could you know, do something spectacular, but they are going to have to do something spectacular and they're going to have to have a bit of help from Vegas when you look at these two teams. So that's where my kind of thing is that when I look at a team like Toronto still going on about this weeks and weeks later, I still look at them and I just think, how are they not in this position now when they should be? And yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> let it go. We don't. We need. We don't need to go over all let that. Let it again. go. But I you've mean, got. You've got some fascinating. The the three other teams, particularly, you've got fascinating differences in how those teams are made up. And we talked about it a little bit last week, um, with the kind of physicality and the just the the way the New York Islanders just like suck all life out of the hockey game and kind of suffocate the opposition. And you've got the way that, you know, the, the Tampa Bay lightning, we all know how they play their hockey in Vegas and a similar vein um, play that way too. And so you've got some real differences in how the teams play. And actually you've got them matching up like that. Montreal, are, you know, not a high flying offensive team either. That's, that's not how they've won. Um, and so you have pretty much got an even match between those two skill kind of versus physicality or physical teams. Um, and it will then, you know, the Stanley Cup final is going to be totally different depending on these four teams and who makes it there. So just go back to Montreal, you know, this is Montreal's first appearance in the semi-finals since 2014. Yeah. Um, they are five Stanley Cup players in their lineup. So they're not kind of... Stanley Cup um, winners, are they? Yes, they've all, they? they've all won yeah. Stanley Cup. Yeah. So they're not as green, perhaps, as we kind of think a Canadian team would be. No, I don't think they're green at all. And, I, you know, what I was saying about the Leafs earlier and how they, you know, they should have got themselves in a position is not a downer on Montreal. You know, Montreal have, have done incredibly well to get here. They've got a real mix of, you know, experience and youth. I mean, Cole Caulfield, who, well, with four minutes to go in the third, scored the only goal for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know how it ended, but, um, you know, he's a he's a kid. He was, he was playing in the juniors most of the year. And then you've got the likes of him, you've got the likes of Corey Perry at the other end of the scale, Shea Weber, Carey Price, all of those guys. You know, you've got you have got a real mix. Nick Suzuki, there's a really interesting kind of um, thing about this series with Nick Suzuki and uh, Max Pacioretty, who were essentially the kind of the trade um, between Montreal and Vegas um, playing on each team. And you've got a real mix of, of young and, and slightly older um, players on the Montreal Canadiens. And what they have done is they've managed to put together, as I've said, this incredible run. And, you know, you, you can you can argue whether they deserve to be there or not. They deserve to be there because they won all the games in the Canadian division. So uh, they absolutely deserve to be there. And I, I think the one thing that has not that I don't know whether it needed any confirmation or not with them, but if there was a need for it, then 
you know, this has sorted it, is that Carey Price is just an incredible goaltender. And there's been so many question marks over him because of his injuries and because of his regular season form. And he hasn't had the best of team around him either. So it's probably meant he's not had the playoff success he could have done. Um, but he is he is playing up to that $10 million contract. And there was this incredible stat about the fact that, you know, uh, if you look at the, the top 17, I think it was, highest paid, sorry, highest paid players in the NHL were all not in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, like, which is mad, apart from Carey Price. And you look at that and you sit there and think, wow, like, maybe spending $10 million on a goaltender isn't such a crazy thing when, you know, that's the team that has made it and all of the others who are, who are spending <laughs> obscene amounts of money on those players are not in there. Um, but he's he's answered that bell and you would imagine now, you know, any doubters in Montreal or, or around Montreal um, would, you know, probably get yeah. back in their box when it comes to him now. See, I, I know we'll, we'll kind of, um, we'll switch to New, New York Islanders, um, Boston's yeah. Bruins, Tampa, you know, series in a second, but let's stay, stay on this kind of field. Yeah. I mean, what I also thought was interesting in that game one was Montreal Canadiens were getting to the net. They really, really tested uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, that guy was like whipping around like a butterfly down on his knees around. I mean, he was, it was like he was kind of breakdancing on the floor at times. <laughs> he was busy in that first period. He was up and down. They had so many chances. And this is the guy who's like, in the top four goaltenders of most NHL playoff wins. I think it's something mm-hmm. like around 89 or 88 wins he's had in the playoffs. Probably 89 now, actually. Um, and I think that's incredible. But, but also worth knowing for this series is that how deep like the defence is. And this is a real similar picture in New York Islanders as well. So in Vegas... Um, six different Vegas um, defensemen have scored at least one goal this postseason. Only five instances in NHL history where this has happened. Hmm. I mean, that's when you know that um, I think one of the guys I was listening to Hockey Central podcast and he was talking about team, not club. And when you've got a team, you're not just depending on a certain group of individuals. And and I think about this because it it made me think about Edmonton Oilers. It made me think about Toronto Maple Leafs, how sometimes we have a handful of individuals that if they don't perform, well, that's it. The team doesn't move forwards. The club doesn't progress. And I think that that was really interesting that you're getting scoring opportunities and actual conversions, not just from like, you know, a handful of forwards, but even from the back. You know what I mean? Mm. I found that quite interesting. Yeah, it is. And it, yeah, the the way that successful hockey teams have been built and you look back at the, the teams that have won over the last few years and Tampa, okay, you know, they do have their stars, but they have a lot of, you know, high quality players and a lot of depth um, players who have really come to the front over the last few seasons. And um, St. Louis, again, another team that you wouldn't necessarily link to being a stars-driven team. Um, and I, I guess Washington, but then Washington have, you know, have got Ovechkin and Backstrom, but they have been a unit for so long in Washington and they held that kind of st- those stars in that team for such a long time that you would think that they would be a pretty close-knit team, you would imagine, um, by the stage that they went on their run to win. So, yeah, I mean, there obviously is something in it. And, and look, I, I also think this, 
it's not it's not luck luck's not the right word but you know do you do you look at the colorado avalanche and think well that's not a good team well no like they are a good team like they're an incredible team and you watch them and they're an incredible team and they've got some of the most incredible players in the national hockey league um and okay so they went out in the second round they came up against a team like vegas i mean even it sounds crazy doesn't it that, that a seven game series <laughs> isn't enough to kind of make you feel like you've got your money's worth from that team but you know you you can lose a couple by being a bit unlucky and you know some puck pucks can go the wrong way for you and across all of the games we see that puck bounces overtime wins all of those kind of things goaltenders making saves they should or shouldn't or goaltenders letting the odd one in we we see these things that in the moment of the game are kind of a small part of the play but actually can have monumental differences in terms of a series and therefore that team how that team is viewed i'd be fascinated to know how colorado avalanche fans are feeling right now do they feel like their team's second round loss to vegas was a failure i imagine they probably do because they knew that this was what they were aiming for well, and they probably knew they had to beat vegas to progress you say that but actually i dropped um we had craig on from covering um the puck podcast yeah. um, a few months ago um brilliant podcast by the way and craig is an avalanche fan and yeah. i messaged him um, on Twitter saying, you okay, hun? You know, <laughs> what that feels like as that. Maple Leafs fans. Yep, my God. Um, and he actually said, um, on one of his tweets a few days ago, he said, hockey kicks you in the balls, one team wins the cup and 30 lose. An incredible team, an incredible season. Is that an end for me? But what a ride. Um, he actually said he would love to see Vegas win from here. They found their groove and played four incredible games of hockey to beat the Avs. Mm. Um, so I don't know not necessarily but I was also hearing about where abs go next is pretty much dependent on what happens with the contracts if they if they can get one with Cal McCarr yeah um, and yeah. if he wants serious dollar and serious term that could start to change things in terms of how they manage the cap in coming It'd be really years. difficult it's really difficult, though, isn't it, when you're on a team with Nathan McKinnon, who is earning, like, nothing. <laughs> He's earning, I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's, like, six or something. Like, insane. I'll quickly pull up Cap for I mean, but... Nathan McKinnon's um, press conference after the series um, closed was just a guy who was so heartbroken. I mean, he swore yeah. as well. <laughs> had to be beeped out. But he was just absolutely heartbroken. You could tell that they really had put everything. I think the one thing that I did think about, because often we assume, I suppose, as fans, that every game needs to be a win. But I think where the tacticalness came in with Vegas was they kind of put Robin Lenner as a bit of a martyr, didn't they, in that game one of the series to buy Marc-Andre Fleury some recovery yeah. time. And, and he kind of took one for the team, didn't he? By, like, getting them destroyed. Um, but then it bought them that time, like, to kind of chill out. And, and that was, like, just... I, I would never have thought about that, you know? No, and it is, it's a difficult one because you look at those series and you think, well, if you're going to give your goaltender a night off, when do you do it? Well, OK, you don't do it in game one because it's game one. Then you don't do it in game two because they're still fresh. And then, all right, so you do it in game three... And this was the problem for the Canadian teams because they were playing back-to-backs kind of usually on game three and four. And it's like, well, 
do you give your starting goaltender a night off on game four? Because regardless of whatever the situation is, even if you're three games up, then you play your backup and you lose one. Well, then you just throw momentum back to the other team. So, so maybe, as you say, as, as Vegas essentially said, that first game, we're, we know we're tired. We've had a much faster turnaround than the Avs. The chances are, given the state that they were, they were in, they were going to lose that game because the Avs were so fresh and had so much energy going into it. So, yeah, hey, why not? Let's just lose that. Let's give Fleury a, a bit longer of a break and then uh, come back come back stronger for game two and game three, which ultimately they, well, they didn't for game two, but they, they did for game three. Well, they did for game two. They were better in game two. Um, but yeah, you, you know... Because I, I, I have to say, I would have thought, had we started um, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, round two with, I don't know, Michael Hutchinson or, or something, um, huh. everybody would have been like, what are you doing? Oh my God. Like, but it's it's that faith, I suppose, in the team that you have. Like, it's yeah. almost arrogance, isn't it? Like, it's fine, guys. We're, yeah. we're all right. We're good. We got this. And who knows? I mean, it, we could be giving Vegas a bit much credit here because Fury <laughs> might have been hurt. Like, he might have just been hurt, yeah. not able to go. So they were like, well, actually, we don't have any choice, but they'll take, you know, the fact that it looks like a tactical genius move. And we're, you yeah. know, it's, it's very easy for us to sit here and say, yeah, well done, Vegas, for doing that. If they lose and then they, you know, and then they lose in seven, you go, well, you gave that game one up. You know, and you, you know, it, it, it's very easy to now look back on it. But yeah, it worked for them. Just on that, just to finish off um, my point earlier. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon earns six point three million dollars on the cap um, up until twenty twenty two twenty three. So you've got another two, yeah, another two se- yeah, another two seasons at six point three. Um, Rantanen earns, you know, he's the top earner at nine point two five. Which even that, you know, <laughs> as a Leafs fan, I look at that and go, wow, well played. I didn't um, realize so, that Nathan McKinnon's done nine years in the NHL. I actually didn't realize that he was that old because that's what he said in his his um, press conference. You know, I've he's been, only twenty five. I've been, I've been in, in um, you know, and doing this for nine years, and I haven't won Jack. Yeah, naughty word. Most um, people haven't though. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and the thing yeah, is, Austin, Austin's McKinnon, like, like mate, Connor yeah, McDavid, I, mate. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Ovechkin until a couple of years ago was like, I've been in this league like 20 years. Yeah, but then that, that's exactly what Craig was saying in his tweet. Hockey kicks yeah. you in the balls. One team wins, 30 well, lose. And that's the thing. Like you look at you look at this Colorado team and you've got Rantanen, McKinnon, Landeskog. So your top three line, you know, well, Landeskog's going to be up. Um, so they're going to need to work out something with him. But they're all kind of 28, 25, 24, respectively. Um, so you think that's a that's a decent age for your core to be. And then, of course, you've got, you know, Gerard on the back. He's got a huge kind of long contract at 5 million, but again, really good. And then you've got Kale McCarr, who if you can sign up him long term, or even if you can sign him up for the next three or four years, you know, you have got the, the core along with someone like Philip Grubauer, again, another one who needs a, you know, a contract, he's going to be asking for more considering he was a, a Vesna nominee this year. You have got a really good core there if you can get them there. And Nathan McKinnon being on 6.3 for the next few years gives you the opportunity to sign all of those players. And that's what I mean about Colorado. Like you've got to look at this year and you, of course you'd be disappointed. And a bit like Greg was saying, like it's going to hurt, but ultimately you come back and go again. Like, and you hope that next season you can, you know, you can be 
Vegas or whoever it is you've got to face. And, you know, would we would we criticize the Colorado Avalanche for coming back exactly the same as they did if they can manage it physically with the cap? Would we criticize them for coming back exactly the same next year and going again? No, I don't I don't think many people would. Can I just do like an ironic comment as yes. per like crashing burnouts? Um, Mike Babcock. Uh, there's a name from there, the past. Yeah. Mike Babcock was in the studio with like period analysis with NBC. He was uh, breaking doing, down yeah. the Vegas Avalanches game. It's yeah. just so weird to see and hear him do analysis. Yeah. It's, it's really, really, really weird. I was like slightly freaked out. I, um, yeah, I, I watched him on a, he did, um, NBC did one of the Leafs games uh, with Montreal and it was really odd. He was, what she, ha, why yeah. would they get him to break a Leafs game down? I mean, well, why would you? So, why wouldn't you? Like you would, one hundred percent, you would, because you know he he knows a lot of those players, and um, he's been there. Like he I just he think is it's so weird. It's so well, yeah, but it's so interesting. Like I mean, obviously, he doesn't give a lot away, but you know, and he, he did. He, I bet he didn't say anything about Mitch Marner. Well, he did. He Woo. did. It, like he said a couple of things, and you know. He didn't say anything controversial, but, he, you know, he said a couple of things that were interesting to, to hear. Nothing particularly that wasn't, you know, obvious. But, um, yeah, but it was strange seeing him mm. comment because he was spiky at best with the media and, and with the kind of media availability. Well, and technically, is it still getting paid as coach of Toronto Maple Leafs? Oh, yeah. Is yeah, it another... like a conflict of interest here? <laughs> it just seems um, so weird. Unless it's another NHL team, he can do whatever he wants. Um, but I think he's, yeah, I think he's got another... Maybe it's two years of earning seven million dollars a year. Or like I that. mean, like, it's crazy, is it? And there we are talking about Nathan McKinnon not even earning the same. I mean, oh, anyway, the, yeah, I mean, the one I, thing I did, I did, um, he did bring up was actually how um, you know Colorado hadn't lost four games in a row, even in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So you know that just shows how strong Vegas were in, in breaking them down ultimately. Yeah, and you know when. <laughs> Uh, this, I guess this is what I mean by, you know, you look at, you know, you might say, well, why, why, Jolyn, are you sitting there crying that the, you know, the Leafs went out in round one and they should burn their entire roster and start again, you know, a few weeks back. And yet then you're saying Colorado in round two, well, you should just come back and go again, and, and what, you know, just go again. The difference is I'm a fan of one of them. I'm not a fan of the other. So I can be rational about one and I'm irrational about the other. However, the other thing is it's so much about the opponent that you play. And that is kind of regardless then what round you get to. So, you know, let's say things are normal, COVID didn't happen, and we were in the Atlantic Division, and the Leafs face the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round this year. The Leafs lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. I am devastated, but I'm not calling for this team to be destroyed, dismantled, brought back again in completely different form. Like, I'm not. because, And even if I did the day after, I wouldn't the week after. Because they come up against an opponent who is better than them, is one of the best teams, and they weren't able to, to to summit that peak. That essentially is what's happened with the Colorado Avalanche. Now, it sucks for them that it's in game two, and they haven't managed to get to a conference final, which really that game felt more like, essentially. That game felt like a conference final. But they came up against probably the only team in the West that was as good and turns out it was better than them over that series so I think a lot of it does come down to the opposition and that's where the kind of 
I guess the the level headedness from the the GM and the the president and all of those kind of people around the league or the team, sorry, then that's how they must have to evaluate those performances and and almost strip away that it's a second round loss or it's a first round loss and and really well why were we not better than that team? Yeah, and you know what? Let's switch over to the other side because yeah. I imagine a lot of Boston Bruins fans are feeling quite deflated because I know they're just rubbish rubbish (laughs) I'm trying I'm trying to be impartial and not revel in this moment too much okay I said last week I was gonna spend a bit more time watching the New York Islanders I was interested in what you said about how they are like these boa constrictors who strangle their opponents I was like I want to see this like and, and I was kind of like, yeah, Islanders, underdog, I have to say. I mean, there's there's uh, the game where they destroyed the Bruins and it was over for the Bruins. Was I was like, yeah, but I really had a bitter taste in my mouth. It was It was like kind of terrifying to watch. It was like they kind of, they killed the bird. The vulture was lying on the side of the road and then they all kept coming back and picking at it. Yeah. It was like eating the dead carcass over and over. Like the way that they kind of targeted Charlie McAvoy and Charlie McAvoy went off in the game for ages. I think he did come back in the end, but didn't really do much afterwards. You know, they, they were deliberately kind of targeting certain players. It, it was really kind of out there. And I know that like Bruce Cassidy and other people were saying... There wasn't, um, you know, there were key calls that were missed, um, you know, that should have been brewing opportunities to go on the power play. But ultimately, like, the, I really saw what you meant about, like, the Islanders and the way... That it's really interesting because I suppose I've always thought about football as being a bit more process-driven. It's all about, like, the formation and are they a defensive team or an attacking team and coaches have their set style... Um, but I've never really kind of Maple Leafs has kind of been on such a transitional weird few years as I've got into the sport as a fan from afar. I've never really had the opportunity to see that come in practice. And I don't know if it's because now it's been like, what, seven, eight years that I've been following the sport on my laptop, on my TV, watching it season. And you do pick up more knowledge. Like at first, it's like, whoa, I can't remember anyone's names. I don't know why yeah. there are so many people on the bench. What are they all doing? Why are they going on and off? And what is that weird hand signal that the ref's doing? But I, I kind of saw how how process system-driven the New York Islanders really are. And, and again, like, you know, just looking at um, their defence, where is he? So um, defence-wise, where's my thing? So they've got... Oh, where's my fucking stats here? <laughs> I've li- I literally wrote it. Okay, anyway, there's... there's Oh, nine goals from New York Islanders' defence in the playoffs versus zero, go- zero goals from Tampa's defence in the postseason. Islanders have had the most rushes in postseason, they've shut down Tampa in that first game, so they had none. You would not think that Islanders would be a rush team. Um, also, what was interesting was we often hear, 
you know, again, about like looking at these core individuals that are doing like, I don't know, Conor McDavid probably was crunching out 23, 25 minutes on ice each game. Well, the 10 of the 12 forwards in New York Islanders have averaged between 13 and 17 minutes on ice. So you wow. see how they are really kind of, whether it's in the forward level, they're moving them a lot, whether it's in the in the defence, they're getting out there, they're scoring. I mean, it, I just found that absolutely fascinating to kind of, and, and I heard a lot of this on the Hockey Central podcast, they were kind of um, breaking it down. And, and I had never really ever got into watching a team like this and, and it will be interesting because Vegas um sorry Tampa I think are like a team that plays with their heart and this is a chance isn't it for the Islanders to turn the history repeating itself because Tampa knocked out Islanders in 2020 yep. playoffs and it was like kind of speed and skill versus systems process driven yeah um so it's kind of like the tale of two halves of hockey, isn't it? Which one's going to win? And, you know, people are saying, well, look, does it mean that Tampa are physical? They're not always... No, no, no. They're still pretty tough. And I understand that actually um, a couple of hits on New York Islanders in the last year's playoff took out two Islander players that didn't return to play after yeah. they were hit on the game. So I was just, you know, kind of fascinated. I mean, John Cooper, coach of the Lightning, said... Um, Islanders do a great job in lulling their opponents into mistakes, mm. you know, and, and I think also what some of the guys in Hockey Central were saying is it all starts in the bit that we as fans from afar don't get to see. And that is in the warm up. So these little teasers, they kind of call it like kind of teasing each other around the red line. So they're kind of, as they're doing the warm-up and skating around, they're chirping at each other. They're kind of building it up. They're, they're chipping a puck over at someone's, like, shins or something, just to set the scene. And the first game of New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning, six seconds, two of them were called for unsportsmanlike conduct. So you wonder what happened in the warm-up to set the kind of tone like that straight away, yeah. six seconds in. And is that what John Cooper means by they are playing this kind of game where they're, they're goading you into, you know, lo losing your focus, into distracting you. But then also every single member of that team is there to perform. And ultimately every level of that team is performing. I, I was like, whoa. There makes my point of last week why we shouldn't be cheering for the Islanders because <laughs> is that a team that you want to win a sport that then tends to copy who has won? <laughs> like, I, you know, I do not want to see 20, 20 teams like the Islanders or teams trying to build like the Islanders. I mean, fair play to them in how in what they have done. It is incredible. And they've, you know, they've done really well to get there. But I want to see teams like Colorado and Vegas playing each other. And, you know, I'm going to be rooting for the Tampa Bay Lightning because I, even with their kind of some of their caption anagram or like all of that kind of stuff, I still want to see them progress because of the type of hockey they play. I want that to be the successful hockey because, man, like the only thing interesting about the Islanders is the Islanders fans who are amazing and make every home game sound like it is just the Stanley Cup final game seven and hats off to them because it makes for an incredible atmosphere. However, as you kind of, you know, as you've explained, they are a struggle to watch unless you're a fan of that team because 
the way they play hockey is just yeah it's brutal but the entertainment value for me is is rock bottom so i really i i do hope the zamba bay lightning come through um even though of course the islanders have gone one up yeah but you know is it you know that that's your preconceptions because they actually had nine rush opportunities. They had nine, like, you know, breakaways. Yeah, but when you, when you said game. to me earlier, right, so I didn't know, uh, hands up, I didn't know who won the game one of the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Islanders. And when I asked you earlier and said, oh, who did win? And you said, oh, the Islanders. In my head, I was like, well, they either won 2-1 or 1-0. And then I went to go and have a look on NHL.com and they won 2-1. Like, they, that is what they do. And, you know, they have got some exceptional players. Don't get me wrong. Matthew Barzell is... Uh, an amazing player to watch like he's great and I you know enjoy watching highlight reels of his goals but the way they are set up to play is not something that I particularly as a neutral am interested in and yeah I mean (laughs) but it's a little bit of both I suppose because Vegas and Montreal is, uh, is a bit similar really the way that Montreal would have to win that series against Vegas doesn't really appeal to me um, but I suppose they have got the real underdog story to them, which makes that series a little bit more interesting. The Islanders beat the Lightning. It is impressive, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't put the Islanders down as underdogs because they've, you know, they've dispatched the Bruins and they're a, you know, they're a, a hardened veteran team. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, but I, I guess the Islanders do it. Uh, sorry, the Lightning do it. I think the one thing that Tampa do have is this year they have a healthy Stephen Stamkos. Mm. Um, and also, they also they have a their... hundred million dollars worth of players <laughs> and the Which power helps. play their power play yeah, it's brutal it's normally pretty deadly isn't it I, oh, I mean yeah. I guess we would be left assuming here that a safe bet would be a Vegas v Tampa Stanley Cup final but wouldn't it be a bit mental Barry Trotz was... might have something to say about that a Canadians v New York Islanders final. Oh. Like it's never going to happen again. It's never because of the way the setup, the East versus West, this is never going to happen again. Yeah, but it would I don't. Be crazy. You know, the, same with Montreal versus Tampa as well. Yeah. That would be the yeah. Atlantic Division teams. So they no way they'd ever play each other. But I mean, I don't want that to happen. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Islanders versus the Canadians? Like it would just be this kind of, oh, every game would be 1 0. Like, oh. No, 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 no. Vegas have got to beat Montreal for hockey's sake and the Lightning have got to beat the Islanders for hockey's sake. <laughs> well, we can come back next Although, week and uh, see where that goes. Right? One other thing on the whole Montreal thing, which is funny, because we were talking a little bit about how, um, we were talking a little bit about how the North Division had this kind of reputation of being the easiest division all season. And Everybody who had a team in the North Division was like, nah, 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 it's not the case. It's not the case. We've got Austin Matthews, Conor McDavid, Carey Price, all of these kind of people in there. It's really tough. You know, it's just that, yeah, okay, we score a few more goals. But, um, and anyway, so then that happens. And then the playoffs happen. And then the kind of wackiness of the North Division playoffs with the Leafs going out and then the Winnipeg Jets sweeping a team and then getting swept and the Oilers going out, all this kind of stuff then. Now, funnily enough, Montreal are now they are the litmus test on this. They are the team where we get to see whether, and it's ridiculous because it shouldn't be judged like this, but it will be. They are the team where fans from outside the Canadian division will look at this and go, was the Canadian division just an absolute shower of 
this year? Like, was it just rubbish? <laughs> and this is what has happened. And if the Vegas Golden Knights sweep the Canadians, that is exactly the narrative that will come out of it, is that the, the North Division was just a pile of rubbish and they all fought amongst each other and this was the best that they could produce. Like, that is the narrative that's going to happen. However, Montreal, suddenly, if they, I think even if they lose, but they take Vegas to seven or they take them to six, I think they probably change that narrative a little bit because that won't be the story. But it is really interesting how the kind of hopes and dreams of Canadian hearts are resting with the Montreal Canadiens to try and provide an upset to to kind of ratify their entire division for the entire regular season. Like, how are we in this position? And can I just say how pleased I am, and I never thought I'd say this, how pleased I am we're going back to the original division alignment so we don't have to have this conversation. I would prefer to have Boston and Tampa in my division than have to have the conversation about the North Division next season. Wow. Gosh, I think you need to take a breath there, there, mate. There you go. See, I can still get passionate about things. It's just (laughs) stupid like divisional alignment is the only thing I can get passionate about at the moment when it comes to hockey um, a couple of the other kind of side news things uh, Columbus yeah. Blue Jackets have a new coach their assistant coach has stepped up um, what permanently uh, actually I don't know the, the contract terms I can't remember his name that's hmm. how crap I am at bringing the news well, to I mean you told me a bit of news there so you can't say you're crap but there you go um and pecorine uh yeah. won the king clancy memorial trophy what i didn't know about that was uh, so basically if you don't know what that is it's about it's a leadership on and off the ice award uh, he made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his community um and he receives a twenty-five thousand dollar donation from the nhl foundation to benefit a charity of his choice who got a fine recently and that's where the money went to ah it was bruce cassidy so basically bruce cassidy (laughs) if he just chips out the foundation and pays pecorine's charity they could save themselves a lot of the tax couldn't they yeah yeah the admin fee yeah Yeah, exactly absolutely yeah because i think it was 25 grand wasn't it the uh the the um fine yeah how ironic is that wow yeah are you bringing something new to the table or is it time to wrap up no, I'm I'm literally on the athletic looking at the Columbus page uh, okay. <laughs> to see whether it's the um, whether it's a permanent appointment or not. Because um, there are a few interesting coaches. I mean, Gerard Gallant. I can't remember if we talked about him in the in the last um, podcast or not. But he's he? currently he. So he was the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. He was their first coach, um, and then he got fired. Weirdly considering how successful they had been. I think it was in that year that they probably only made the conference final or something. <laughs> like for Vegas is a, is a high bar for success. Um, but he got fired and has not had another job since. And then he was the coach of Team Canada at the World Championships. And of course, when they were uh, Norton 3, things weren't looking so good for old Gallant and the way that that uh, tournament was. But of course we all know now that Canada then went on and kind of went on a miraculous run and won the the whole tournament. And now of course, you know, combined with his Vegas success and now his world championship success, it does look like, you know, he will be a, you know, a a hot kind of ticket to to sign up um, in this off season. And of course there's, there are big, 
coaching question marks this season because you've got Seattle coming in who've still yet to announce a coach. I think that's going to be fascinating because part of me was like, imagine if they just pick someone like, I don't know, John Tortorello, Mike Babcock, one of the old school guys. If it just like same again, I think they have a real opportunity to pick someone who's completely unknown and who's well, I, ready to step up for their first role. Because surely, because this is a new franchise, they want to be different. They don't want to just be another repeat of what's already been. But look at what you know. Look at what Gerald Gallant did. I mean, you know, he he surely would be the obvious choice for Seattle because of what he did with Vegas and the fact that essentially he'll he would have to do the same thing again with the Seattle team I can't see that because I think they'll want a clean slate they need to be they don't just want to be someone who's repeating history who's been in those shoes I think that they'll want a clean slate with a clean name no that is that is not necessarily what owners of sports teams do very often Claire no no. They, they owners of sports teams are incredibly good at going down the same trodden path as previous. Look at what happens when a coach gets fired. A coach gets fired, and what happens? The last three people to get fired are favourites to become the coach of that team. Like, that's how sporting franchises work. It's very rare. Like, you look at the Leafs, and it's actually... And I think it was Anaheim as well did it. And it's actually quite rare for a a team to not pick from the kind of pool of coaches um, that kind of sit in the kind of NHL and they all kind of like move around and get assigned to different teams. Even bringing some up, someone up from your own kind of NHL affiliate as Anaheim and Toronto did is not, you know, is not standard practice for, for teams. So I don't, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Gerald Gallant ended up with Seattle. However, I can see your point in terms of, well, Although it's hard to say, do we want to just do what Vegas did? Because if you do what Vegas did, then you you know you've won the lottery. Know. But you know what? This is something that I'd like to read up a bit more. This can be my homework yeah. this week, actually. And also, if you have already been looking into this and you're listening, and you could uh, maybe share some articles yeah. that you think are are relevant uh, when you spot them, because there's going to be more and more um, press coming out about Seattle now, isn't there? Ahead of the expansion draft. The other big um, team, of, of course, as well to mention is the New York Rangers. They're looking for a coach. And, yeah. you know, obviously that's a huge job in a in a big, in kind of, you know, the NHL's biggest franchise with, you know, a huge amount of spotlight and a lot of attention in terms of where they're at in their kind of rebuild and, and how they are. So there's going to be a lot of attention on that team and that appointment. And Gerald Galland's another one who's kind of been linked to that job. Um, so there's quite a lot of coaching kind of manoeuvring to, to happen. And um, the other bit of news as well was, Coming out of Carolina, um, their um, star defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, who's been a bit of an NHL journeyman. He's, he's played with quite a few different teams, but kind of seemed to really settle in well in Carolina. Um, he He's an interesting one. So he's going to be a UFA come whenever the free agency is this year. It's usually July 1st, but whatever. Um, it's an odd year. Whenever that happens, um, he would then be able to speak to other teams and uh, would be able to sign with other teams. Now, Carolina, interestingly, have granted him permission before that deadline to speak to other teams. So he's now able, even though he's still technically under contract, to go and speak to other teams and test the water and say, look, if I was to become a free agent, what are you going to offer me? Like, who's interested? So his agent will be doing the ring round and all this kind of stuff and getting some figures together which is an interesting way of doing it because historically the way this works is when a player 
becomes a uh, unrestricted free agent or UFA, then the team have up until a certain date to essentially negotiate an extension to that contract, which is what you know Carolina could be doing now. No team is allowed to talk to Dougie Hamilton about an extension. And what it essentially means is, is that that player only has the offer from the team on the table and he only has that figure in front of him. So he can kind of have a feeling that he might get more in kind of the open market and free agency, but he's not 100% sure. However, this way round, Dougie Hamilton will actually know because he will have kind of tested the market and gone round and asked. So a lot of what happens is a player will say, no, I don't like that offer, Carolina. I'm going to go to free agency. So he goes to free agency. He gets all his offers in and all this kind of stuff. And he may well end up signing with the team that he was with. But he's seen what's on the market. He's looked at all of the other teams that are interested in him. And he's gone, actually, I like what I've got. And even if he takes less money, he's at least known what's going on. What's interesting about this scenario is obviously Carolina are trying to galaxy brain this a little bit and they're saying, right, you go away, Dougie, and have a look what is on offer and see because maybe they're confident that actually he won't like what he sees out there, maybe because of the pandemic and because of you know, the way teams are kind of cash strapped and maybe they're banking on the fact that what he will get in terms of offers will be enough or won't be enough for him to kind of leave. And then what he'll end up doing is sign an extension with that team on a, on a team friendly deal or what will be seen as a team friendly deal. And it's just interesting. That they've got kind of gone about it this way. I don't know how often it happens. I don't know if it happens a lot, but I've certainly not seen it happen. Um, and a couple of people have kind of mentioned that it was a kind of a, an interesting way of doing things. They yeah, are quite a, a kind of an out there organization, Carolina in the way they do their business. And um yeah, again, another team who've well-constructed team who are just going to have to kind of do a bit of kind of cap cap work so, to make their team come back well, again. Well, with the Carolina Hurricanes, um, something that did come up in 31 Thoughts, the last episode um, was called The Final Four, which Jeff Marrick and Elliot Freeman, the hosts, uh, were recording at 1am after... Um, I think it was after well after one of the games anyway I forget which one was Friday now um and Elliot was driving home and getting gas and all this kind of stuff yeah. he talked about how he'd had a cryptic text about Carolina Hurricanes saying buckle up um it's some, something's about to go down there's going to be big changes or something like that but he didn't know where or what and wondered whether that was something to do with Rod Brindamore um and also they were saying about the off season this year could be really interesting for so many people's different um, contracts. And that he thinks a lot of the contracts are going to be very small. Um, you know, we're not going to see these huge numbers like we've seen before. Um, so I just think it's a, a kind of crazy time in hockey. Um, yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's so many things going on in this sport and it's, Sometimes we kind of really struggle at this this point of the season, don't we, in finding things to talk about when we don't really care about the playoffs or we don't really care about the team. But the playoffs are really good this year. There's yeah. there's a lot of different twists and turns. There's also the expansion draft. The fact that the draft is there and half of us don't know who these people are and we haven't even seen them play is one thing. And then yeah. we've got this crazy off-season happening where, as you say, most teams are kind of already at the cap. Many of them have actually played this year over the cap. 
And that's like a crazy situation because so many people turn a blind eye to that. Um, so I just think it's, it's a it's a mad little world. And almost like for me, sometimes the off season can be a time where I turn off my notifications for NHL. I go and follow other sports like Formula One. I love watching Formula One. It's far easier to be a Formula One fan than it is an NHL fan. Oh, what a race every two weeks. Brilliant. As opposed to four <laughs> games a week. Yeah. Awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's far less drivers than there are teams in the NHL. Um, but I feel like this season I'm going to leave my notifications on because I think that these deals, like you say, with Dougie Hamilton, with Kel McCarr, they could they could really kind of set the tone in, oh, all these figures might be a little bit less than we thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There could be a lot of... It's, it's going to be a difficult off-season if you're a UFA this year just because there are so many teams who are not going to be going for the type of deals they would have done. Um, one final thing to, to mention, just to draw an earlier conversation to a close with some breaking news that I literally have just seen on my phone. I, I'm always kind of hit and miss as to whether to check my phone while we're recording a podcast because it means I can get distracted. Um, but I am quite glad I did this time. So uh, Pierre Lebrun just tweeted that Gerard Gallant's four-year contract with the New York Rangers um, is to believe to be worth around $3.5 million a year. So Gerald Gallant wow. is heading to the New York Rangers, which is, I don't think, a surprise, but it does, of course, mean that he is not on Seattle's list. So the Seattle Kraken will be going with a different guy or girl, but probably guy because, you know. <laughs> Thanks for throwing that in as an option. Um, wow. Well, like okay. I had to, and then I thought, that really would be left field for a sport. <laughs> sad it is. I appreciate that it is very sad that it is left field, but um, it is still sadly left field. Yeah. Well, look, uh, between... I think feel like it's a bit more manageable to watch the playoffs at the moment. You get a break yes, every one so one game a night. How nice is that? And even there was a UK-friendly one at the weekend, which was, was. brilliant, because yes, I was yes. sick of watching football in my house. I oh, was shush. sick of it. I had to go upstairs. I was banished <laughs> to my bedroom to watch hockey because it was considered not a proper sport. And this was an, you know, an important mark of international football. And I was like, but it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. So anyway. I know for um, a fact those w- words were uttered from a Nottingham Forest fan, which means they mean nothing at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> that person knows nothing about football <laughs> as a Derby fan, in my humble opinion. <laughs> as a uh, bitter Toronto Maple Leafs fan as well. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. In well, case anybody hasn't worked that out. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> well, we'll be back um, hopefully next week. We've got a funny yeah. couple of weeks, if we're honest, because uh, we're both on holiday, which is kind of a crazy time Ooh. to take a holiday when there's such so much going on. <gasps> Talking of that, very quickly, sorry. Very quickly, um, yeah. Very quickly, uh, I worked out, so I'm getting married next year. Right. Um, and uh, we're getting married in May and we're going on our honeymoon. Well, we think anyway, straight after our wedding. Um, and so I was working out the other day that I think that's going to be during the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, so if Toronto crash out of the first round of the playoffs, it's OK because the wedding will distract me. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this now so many months ahead, but... If there was ever a year for Toronto not to win the Stanley Cup, next year would kind Why? of be it for me. Because Why can you, you imagine? Even saying this, but can you imagine me like being 
in the flipping Maldives or something, like in the most beautiful part of the world with a woman I've decided to spend the rest of my life with, having just got married. And I'm sitting there on my phone going, I cannot believe they're not playing Mitch Marner more in the third period against this team. Like, can you imagine? Because that would be happening. Or I'd be moaning the fact that the 4G in the Maldives is not great. Like, it would just be so horrific if my honeymoon and I really hope the one time I'm ever going to do this in my life is ruined by the Toronto frickin' Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> and on that pipe dream, we'll leave, leave it. Me. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave Jodon hanging in his fantasy land. Have a great week. Enjoy the hockey. We'll speak to you soon.